Hello everyone and thank you listeners for joining me, Roxy Corp, as your host for the autumn episode of our Speaking Up podcast series. A little bit about me, I've got the privilege of leading the DNI agenda or diversity and inclusion agenda for supply chain and working closely with many of our leaders, customers and colleagues to create a culture where everyone can belong no matter what their uniqueness. So thanks you, thank you also to all you listeners from around the world who have been following Lindsay Bridges on our previous Speaking Up episodes, where we've discussed so many different topics from women in leadership, intersectionality, Gen Z, mental health in the workplace, and so many more. We're now actually taking the podcast to its next stage of growth, and we're excited to announce that we'll be combining our Speaking Up series with our Ultimate Supply Chain podcast. And we'll see us, that will see us discussing more business and HR topics with our customers and thought leaders. More to follow on this at the end of today's episode, so stay tuned to learn more about our evolution. So let's get back to today's special episode where I am delighted to be joined by Daniela Panelver. Sanchez, our Senior Manager for Supplier Diversity in, based in the US. Welcome, Daniela, and thank you so much for joining us today or joining me today. First of all, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background and your career history? Sure. Thank you, Roxy, for having me. Um, I was actually born in Venezuela, so I am a Hispanic woman, um, a Latina, and I actually moved to the US uh, about seven and a half years ago. My entire career has been in procurement, um, and I joined DHL in the procurement department, um, supporting the Procurement Americas region. And three and a half years ago, I actually had the amazing opportunity to lead and manage the supplier diversity program for the U.S. It was a challenge. It was uh, quite the learning curve because I had no idea what this topic was about, but I took it on and three and a half years later, we're doing amazing things here and in the program. And hopefully in the future, we can expand outside of the US. Wow, great. Thank you, Daniela. And I know you've made some amazing progress on the supplier diversity agenda within DHL. And thank you also for sharing a little bit about your background. So let's get on to why we're here today and why we're talking. Many organisations have obviously been looking and accelerating their diversity and inclusion agendas. And we're finding more and more that it's not just about colleagues. They are now looking at more around communities and the impact that they can make there. And so I wasn't even aware, as I said to you before, I wasn't aware of the um, concept of supply diversity up until about 12 months ago when we started speaking. So can we start by telling me a little bit about what supply diversity is and how that supports an organization's agenda when it comes to sustainability? Sure. So typically, an organization's sustainability agenda will include focusing on a company ethically. How does the company ethically impact its employees, stakeholders, the community, and their supply chain? So uh, supplier diversity is about building sustainable economic strength in underrepresented communities and underserved groups. Now, what do I mean by underrepresented or underserved? Um, Usually are minorities, women, the LGBTQ plus community, 
here in the United States, and I know that a couple of other countries have the term veteran, um, and sometimes even small businesses are underserved or underrepresented. Now, a diverse supplier means a supplier that is owned 51% or more and controlled by one person that falls into these categories. So it's not only um, required that the person owns the company, they have to be deeply involved in the operations of the company, making the decisions. So it's not only on paper, right? So a diverse supplier would be um, a company that is owned and controlled by a minority, a woman, a person from the LGBTQ plus community, and small businesses as well. So sometimes there is a misconception that when we're talking about supplier diversity, they say, for instance, a large corporation like us, they call us, are you a diverse supplier? And the reason, the, the fact is that we are not diverse in the terms of supplier diversity, but we do have a rich, diverse workforce. So that's why we need to be very clear in the definition of what is a diverse supplier. Yeah, that's really interesting. Thank you, Daniela. And I know we often do get asked the question about uh, are we a diverse um, organisation? And clearly it's the differentiation you're making there between our workforce versus our suppliers. So that's really good to know. And just building on that point about um, you talked about not only owned by 51% minority owned, um, but you also talk about them being operationally involved. Can you sure. Um, so that means that that person is deeply involved in the operations. They make the decisions. They're um, they're deeply involved in the day to day of the company. And it's just it's not only that you know they're in paper. They are the owner, and that's it. They have no idea what's going on in the in the company. And actually, to get certified, um, these organizations that certify. Um, diverse companies actually have a very um, long process to validate that a company is actually diverse because they not only look at the financial papers, the legal paper, um, they go and do site visits, they go and, uh, and do like an audit to really make sure that if a person that belongs to a diverse category says that they, they are owners of that company, they are deeply involved in the operations of that company. And it's not just, you know, a paper thing. Okay, right, understood. And then you talked about certified. So these are minority owned organisations need to be certified. And I think you've just touched on the process there. What kind of things should, um, should an organisation be doing to um, ensure they do get that certification? Yes. So um, there are different certifications here in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. Um, here in the U.S., we have some organizations that certify minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses, LGBTQ+, disabled, and veteran. And uh, the small business is actually a registration. It's, it's like a self-registration. They don't get a certificate, an actual certificate. Outside of the U.S., there are 
five other countries that recognize the term minority and actually have an organization that certifies minority-owned businesses. And there is an orga uh, international organization that certifies women-owned businesses, which is called WeConnect International. They have a presence in about 120 countries around the world. So as you can see, uh, this is um, a very well-known topic in the U.S. and it's expanding outside. So even though there are not that many categories outside of the U.S., there are still some organizations that certify those businesses. Now, why do we focus on certified businesses and not just self-registered? Um, because we need to validate that they truly are a diverse business. And that's why we rely on a company that has their process, they do their due diligence, and they make sure that those businesses are truly diverse. Um, so that's why when we have a certificate, when we request a certificate from a supplier or a potential supplier, we truly know that they are diverse, right? And they have to recertify every year. Um, so that's why we rely on that, that it's a way to validate data and to make sure that it's as transparent as possible. Because not only this helps our organization in growing diverse spend, but companies need to make sure that if they're reporting numbers outside in their annual report, they need to be sure that those numbers are accurate. And the way to make them accurate is to have a certificate behind it saying, yes, this company is truly a minority women, et cetera, owned company. Okay. No, that's really good. Thank you. That um, that's explained it really well. And um, and uh, interesting how you said and you've confirmed that it's an annual certification that they need to to attain as well. Okay. Let's just go back a little bit then, um, Daniela. To actually, where did this all start from? Where where did supply the, the concept come from? Actually, it started here in the U.S. Um, back in the 60s, uh, the president of the United States signed an executive order that required government agencies and their contractors to do business with minority-owned businesses and report against preset goals. So anybody that had a contract with the U.S. government had to have this type of program in place. What is the supplier diversity program? Just making sure that you are meeting your set of goals um, based on spend with diverse owned businesses. So in the beginning, it was a government mandated. Then it grew to be, well, it's the right thing to do because you're positively impacting a community. Then it was part of um, competitive advantage and sustainability. And now you see supplier diversity as part of the ESG agenda around the world. So that's why it's it's a topic that is a bit more developed in the US. Um, and we have, you know, all of these certifying organizations. Um, you know, it's a very well-known topic in US organizations and companies, but more and more, it is something that has um, grown outside, especially with the social unrest of 2020 and the movement Black Lives Matter. Um, I think it had a ripple effect and it was a before and after, right, um, of that, you know, horrific events because it made all the companies around the world or large organizations look at themselves and say, well, we're not doing enough in terms of diversity and inclusion. And of course, that also had an impact in supplier diversity. Um, so 
now you see it's not only a U.S. topic, it's actually a global topic now. And it, it has such an importance um, that it fits into the ESG roadmap that so many companies are working on right now. Yeah, okay. And um, and when we talk about ESG, we talk about the environment, social and the governance aspects um, that many organisations, as you say, are focused on. Um, yes. And yet, interesting how you describe that it's come from the US, something I hadn't realised, that the origins are in the US, and then right up to um, the today and the, some of the um, some of the actions that have occurred outside of organisations, but that impact inside. So great, thank you for sharing that. And and Danielle, let's move on to. Um, I know you've done some great work, as I said um, earlier, uh, around the supply diversity program. But what is a good supply diversity program. What does it entail? Sure. A good supplier diversity program is actually based on strengthening the supply chain, enhancing the product offerings, bringing more innovation to, to the discussion, right? Bringing more resilience also, because what its, um, its, its purpose is just to eliminate obstacles uh, dismantle biases, right? And bring as many uh, diverse suppliers as possible to the table so that they can compete for the business, right? Um, so a good supplier diversity program just makes sure that we're inviting or they are inviting as many qualified diverse suppliers as possible so that everybody can compete in a level playing field. They have uh, goals, Right. Uh, they have set goals around diverse spend. They have a good uh, process designed for how to include diverse suppliers in the sourcing process. And also they have a good supplier development program. Right. It's not only necessary to invite a diverse supplier to a sourcing opportunity to see if they can compete for the business, but also once they are contracted, what are we going to do with that supplier? How are we going to grow the relationship with that supplier? So I think that is also a key point for a successful supplier diversity program is not only making sure that we're inviting as many as we can, that the opportunities are equal for everybody, but then once it is contracted, what are we going to do with that relationship? How can we grow that relationship? How can we um, move forward together in a positive way. Yeah, yeah, and uh, obviously tracking is um, tracking the spend and the activity and so on um, will clearly help that. But also, I really like the idea of um, growing that relationship. You know, it's about giving back to the community, isn't it? And um, yes. that's the key in this. I think, um, albeit it's the right thing to do, but giving back and creating further opportunities. So, um, so yeah, great summary. Thank you. And um, and if you think about supply diversity, I know there's lots of misconceptions around it as well about what it actually isn't, but the myths. Can you help dispel some of those myths for us, Daniela? Sure. And again, this is the first um, comment that is made when I talk about supplier diversity is, oh, but it's, it's going to cost more or the, the quality is not going to be the same. And the first thing I say is supplier diversity is not a social program. It's not a guarantee. It is not a compromise on cost, quality, or any other requirement. Supplier diversity just means 
eliminating an unnecessary obstacles, any obstacle for them to come and propose their business to us. And then again, dismantling the bias. Because a company or a business is small or diverse, that doesn't mean that their product is not of equal or higher quality than another non-diverse supplier. And it doesn't mean that it's going to cost more. Now, um, I put myself in the shoes of procurement because I've always been in procurement and it is my department. We are still the objective party in making a decision, right? So, what we in procurement try to do is invite as many, again, qualified diverse suppliers that can actually compete for our business. They meet the requirements of the product and the service. And then all things equal, then the decision is, is made, right? But it's, it's not being made by are they diverse or not, right? Is if they if all of the suppliers that we have on the table, diverse or non-diverse, can provide the same type of a product or service, but one of them has a more um, an advantage over the rest, then that one would be chosen. And of course, the more the um, diverse suppliers that you invite, the higher the probability of one of them being awarded a contract. So it is not a social program. This is not charity. This is a business case. There is an ROI at the end of this. Um, otherwise, this this would only be like a social program. Um, but our 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 bottom line is excellence simply delivered, and I, I mean we will not um, compromise on that. And I don't think any other company would. That's why there is always a business case behind supplier diversity. And companies are just trying to have a positive impact, but also finding that innovative product, that nimble um, organization that can help them. Sometimes larger corporations are a bit more bureaucratic and not as resilient or um, flexible. So there is a, a business case behind supplier diversity. And it is not, oh, we're going to lose on quality. We're going to have higher costs. It is not going to be exactly what we need. Yeah, yeah, no. I love that idea of the the fact that it's creating a level playing field for all suppliers, and if that then brings about business results, fantastic. But it's not a nice to have or a charity. That's the bit that you know it's um it's really good to know. Um, but it's giving the opportunity to suppliers that may not have had that in the past year. Great. Okay, got it. So there is lots of myths that you've just dispelled there. Thank you, Daniela. And, and and you've touched on the customers. So let's just touch on some of the customers, the work that you've been doing supporting them and um, and how we've helped to meet their sustainability goals. Can you share some examples of some of the activity, what we've seen, um, the, the requests have been coming from our customers? Sure. So sometimes people are a bit taken aback when, when I say, well, I support our customers, but they're like, your supplier diversity. And the thing is that because uh, this topic has grown so much, it is such a priority right now. Our key global customers also have very aggressive targets around diversity and inclusion around their ESG roadmap. Because this fits into that, we can help them reach their targets by us reporting our own diverse spend. Um, this is called tier two reporting. And our 
global key customers can request us to report to them every quarter our diverse spend. Therefore, they can add, they can aggregate what they spend directly with diverse businesses and what we spend with diverse businesses, and they can report that as, as overall impact. Um, so that's why it is so important for them um, to, to have that support, right? To have that partnership with their prime suppliers, us being one of them, right? And how can we grow our spend? Because if we grow our spend, we're not only reaching our own targets, we're also helping our customers reach theirs. Um, and this is not only just a target because it seems a bit like a compliance thing. It is also how can we have a, a greater impact throughout the supply chain? So it's not only what our customers are spending with diverse businesses, it's what we are spending and then what our suppliers are also spending. So you see how that just grows throughout the supply chain, the positive impact. Remember that spending money with a diverse supplier means that that company can have can create more jobs. Those jobs create salaries. That salary creates spend within the community. It creates taxes. So that's how you multiply the wealth in that community, just by making the right thing, doing the right thing. Yeah, it's the ripple effect, yeah. It's the ripple effect of what happens as a result of, so yeah. And you've touched on it, you started touching on it. Any, is there any other benefits then to supply diversity programs that you've seen? Well, and I touched on that in, in our previous um, uh, conversation, our topics, the, the growth of a diverse supplier. So it's not only contracting with diverse suppliers, giving them our business, it's also growing them. How can they grow? How can they um, have access to more opportunities? And that's one of the benefits of certification is not only that large corporations like us can go to them and say, hey, I'm interested in, in your, your business. I'm interested in your proposal because we have this supplier diversity program. But also by them getting certified, they have now access to a network of corporations that are interested in companies that are diverse. Um, they also have access to, depending on the organization, um, capital, um, executive uh, uh, education, mentorship. So again, that is how we grow them, not only by giving business to some, but is by belonging to this community, they have access to all of this, you know, network and, and relations and matchmaking events, business fairs um, that probably if they weren't um, associated with that diverse organization, they, they wouldn't have access to. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not immersed in this like you are, but it certainly sounds like such a positive way of connecting with the community, achieving some of our sustainability goals, our organisations achieving theirs as well, giving back. But it's not a it's not a charity. It really is that ripple effect that goes across um so many others, um not just organisations but even individuals and communities. So. Really great. Thank you, Daniela. It's really great summary there. And um, and if I think about if I mean I'm interested in this and I'm always talking to you about it, but how do other listeners, our listeners, how do they get more information? Is there anywhere that you could point them to if they want to learn more? 
Sure. The best uh, resources out there are the actual certifying organizations, both in the U.S. and outside. So, for instance, the Minority Development Council and MSDC in the U.S., WeBank, which is the Women's uh, Council here in the U.S., the VA, um, NGLCC, which is the resource for LGBTQ plus uh, businesses, and, and NGLCC Global, which is the global associates um, for LGBTQ plus owned businesses outside of the U.S. There's also minority um, certifying agencies outside of the U.S. As I said, there are only six countries around the world that recognize the term minority. Um, so we have MSD UK in the UK, MSD China in China, Supply Nation in Australia, CAMSI in Canada, and SASDC in South Africa. And of course, I think I mentioned it already, We Connect International, which is the women-owned businesses certifying agency across the world. Those are great resources because they not only explain what is a diverse supplier in, in their categories, also how can you become one if you're interested? They have tons of resources um, and they kind of guide a person to learn more about supplier diversity because, again, even though this is a topic that has been around since the 60s here in the U.S., I just heard of it uh, three and a half years ago. So I know that as, as myself, there are so many people that still don't know what we're talking about, and it's such an interesting topic. So I highly encourage everybody to go and, and, and visit those sites. And we also have a supplier diversity website um, at DHL where they can learn more about our program. Great. Oh, thank you. I mean, three and a half years have gone past so quickly. I'm sure yes. that you've got some great insights and some great knowledge there. Thank you so much for sharing that with us, Daniela. And thank you for joining me today to talk us through that and give us that much better insight into the world of supply diversity. And I hope our listeners will enjoy listening to and learning from it. So, as I said earlier, our Speaking Up podcast is migrating to our Ultimate Supply Chain podcast series. So we'll be linking the details to the new platform in the coming weeks. Feel free to follow, subscribe and check the Ultimate Supply Chain series where you will find previous published episodes hosted by our Global Head of Marketing, Louise Barber. Look out for future episodes which will feature more guests talking about a whole host of topics, including diversity and inclusion. Until the next time, thank you so much for listening and I look forward to talking to you again soon.